Well, we're going to start off with uh, Shannon. Shannon, an alcoholic. Hi, Shannon. And um, I want to say welcome to everyone and thank the convention for asking me to speak today. It's a true honor to be here. Um, and just to let you guys know, it's been a long time for me. The last time I spoke was at this very meeting seven years ago. My husband was the chairman at this convention. And so this means a lot to me to be here today. And, um, you know, and... Uh, just think about him and he's a true example of how this program is and still is today for me. Um, I got sober when I was 19 years old. Um, you know, um, I never intended to be sober. I never, when I came into these rooms, I, you know, that was not my goal. So if you're here today and wondering, you know, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be sober. I understand. Um, I came from a good home. I basically... You know, there was no reason to be an alcoholic. It wasn't like I was abused. There was no no reason except for deep down inside I can always remember never feeling normal. You know, even like my first memory of being like seven years old, I can feel, you know, still feel it today. I never felt right, you know, and there was no reason for it. I was friends. I, po- I was popular. You know, there was no reason for it at all except for something was broken inside. And, um, you know, when I was in the seventh grade, I actually tried to commit suicide, and I was over a boyfriend, and my parents threw me into a hospital. And when they threw me in there, they threw me with drugs, you know, drug addicts and alcoholics, and for the first time in my life, I felt right. <laughs> I felt at home, and I had never used drugs or alcohol at that point. And I just knew that when I got out, I was going to be seeking those people, and I did, and I got out and um, started drinking like Boone's Farm. I remember it was always like two bottles of Boone's Farm, and from the very beginning, I, you know, I just blacked out. I had to drink as much as I possibly could, you know. And um, I was the kind of girl that didn't remember what, what I did, what, you know, it didn't matter who I was with, um, just ended up in a blackout. And by the time I was 14, I had actually, I was dating someone, well, dating, um, I was with someone who was 21, and he was Aryan Brotherhood, and I thought he was God. And um, I would have laid down my life for him. And... Um, he was from San Diego, and we started dealing methamphetamines from here to San Diego, from Santa Clarita, well, it was Newhall back then. And um, we started dealing, and it was awesome. It was just like I turned my parents' home into a drug haven, you know. And um, what it was, it got so bad where my parents actually locked the inside of the door. They flipped the lock, so I had a bedroom to go to but no bathroom. We set up a ladder, and we would just go in and out. And if you could imagine... You know, what I thought would be a pretty little girl, 14 years old, running around with these, you know, 21, and it graduated to, like, 40-year-olds, you know. that's That was my life, and they were all tattooed and all harleyed, and, you know, we, you know, just this long, blonde hair, and, you know, I can imagine, you know, I, I don't have to imagine what the neighbors went through. Um, and we started dealing, and we started dealing from Las Vegas with a guy named Satan. And, um, yeah, it just keeps getting worse. <laughs> And it got so bad where, they, you know, Satan was outside my window and he's talking about undercover cops. And we're like, yeah, right, you know. Well, you know, the next day we left and there were undercover cops and, you know, one unmarked car behind me, two unmarked cars, three. You know, and by the time we got to uh, Wiley Canyon, you know, there's three black and whites behind them. And they had Lyons Avenue barricaded with shotguns both directions, just for little old us, you know. And uh, so we had to crawl out on our bellies, and um, they took us back to my parents' home where they actually had a search warrant, you know, obviously ready, you know. And they searched my house, and they found, you know, hypodermic needles and possession of sales of methamphetamines under my bed, you know. And um, it was actually, they had the Signal newspaper there. It was written up in the, fir- in the you know, first page of the Signal, you know. My mom and dad were just like, holy crap, you know. And... Um, and that, I tell you that story because that was just the beginning for me. You know, uh, 15, 16, 17, I'm in and out of juvenile hall, placements, rehabs, you know, probation officers, nothing can contain me. You know, my, my abuse just, I had to do whatever was in front of me the most I could, as fast as I could, and I had to be better than everybody else. You know, and I ingested so much by the time I was 16 and 17, I'm seeing tree people, which... I'm sure a lot of people in this room can re- can relate. 
But the problem was, I, you know, I saw him with or without drugs, you know. And this is where, you know, it talks about in the book, you know, I tried to control my, my alcoholism. I tried to control it by, you know, well, if I just drank, you know, I won't try drugs. Or if I just do this, or if I take a little bit of pills, or if I just do a little Valium before I take a shot, you know. I mean, I would try these combinations, you know. And if I don't hang out with them, and if I do this, and if I do that, and, um, you know, nothing worked. Nothing worked. And so, you know, by the time I'm 17, the tree people are so bad that I literally, like, take a saw and I'm going to cut it down, you know, a tree in the backyard. And, like, I'm 100 pounds. Like, I have nothing. There's nothing to me. And uh, my parents are screaming at me, what the heck am I doing? So I start screaming at them. I have them backed up into a corner with this saw, you know, and I'm screaming at them. I have my veins popping out. I smell like decay. I'm not kidding you. I'm dying from the inside out. I've literally done so much drugs in my life that I have a pacemaker. I caused myself third-degree heart block from the amount of, you know, methamphetamines that I've used. And um, my parents are in the, in the back, packed up into the corner with this crazed girl with this sock, you know. And um, they called 911, which my neighborhood was used to that because they called 911 on me all the time. And by this point, you know, they have to take me down. It takes three shots of liquid Valium to get me down. And I tell you that just because, you know, I'm serious with the amount of, you know, stuff I was ingesting. And um, by the time I'm 19 is where things start to really get bad. If it, if it couldn't be bad before, it starts to get really bad now. Um, I, with one shot, I actually start to see... I start to see werewolves, and I go into this whole illusion of seeing werewolves. And I lay down on the bed, and I felt like I died. And I felt the whole room start spinning, and it went on for this, where 12 hours I didn't move. I laid there, basically just, you know, with my mouth open. And, um, and when I came to, you know, I smelled, I, you know, I walk out, I'm in the street, you know, I'm like in Hollywood somewhere at some sleazy motel. I call my dad, my dad comes to pick me up, and I'm in the car, and I'm petting the back seat. What I see is a werewolf, and what my dad sees is the back, you know, the backyard, or the back seat. And I'm sitting there begging the back seat not to eat my dad. And my dad's just like, you know, and I'm a parent now. You know, I can't imagine what they went through. And um, so they called 911. And um, I go, you know, I go into the mental, you know, Kaiser, the, you know, emergency room. At this point, psychiatrists have been seeing me all the way through. And they came down and they had me in, you know, hand and neck restraints because I'm so out of control. And the nurses were talking about the smell coming off my body. You know, I still remember that. I still remember thinking, how dare you? <laughs> you know, and here's this girl dying. And um, the psychiatrist came in and he said, you know, I'm sorry to tell you this, but there's really very little hope. And if your daughter doesn't get sober and go to AA and stay sober for the rest of her life, she'll most, most likely end up in Camarillo State Hospital. And it wasn't like there was a choice. It was A or B. And, um, you know, they're basically talking about no hope. No amount of drugs, psychiatrist drugs, are going to cure me. The only thing that's going to cure me is, you know, walking into this room, working this program. And the doctors know that. You know, talk about the doctor's opinion. There it is. You know, I lived it. And, um, but it still wasn't. <laughs> so I go home, and I remember the first day of, of, like, I'm going to go to Kaiser to the outpatient program. And I remember such a thin thread. I get dressed, and I'm like, I'm not going. You know, and to me, this program is based on thin threads. We're all here because of thin threads. You know, we're not here because we want to be. We're not here because we're winning. We're here because we've run out of luck, you know, and, um, and we really have nowhere else to go. But still, that's never good enough for a lot of us. And so I walked into these rooms, and, you know, I'm still seeing werewolves, Okay. Um, I, and, and all I know is when I first walked into these rooms and people started to laugh, I started to feel that right again. I started to feel that normal again, that I was chasing out there, you know. 
and it started to make me feel okay, even though everything in my life wasn't okay. My first sponsors would talk to me. They'd be talking to me directly, and I'd be over here looking at werewolves. You know, and that was my reality, and they'd be like, Shannon, focus, focus over here, you know. And so when I sat down and actually admitted that I was an alcoholic, and that's where the power for me, that's what step one's all about. You know, I actually conceded that I was an alcoholic, and that's where my life began to change, you know. And it didn't happen fast, you know. I had to work these. I had to work these steps. I had basically dropped out of the out of you know it was the eighth grade, but with all the partying I did, it was more like being in the fourth grade, you know. So to read this book was very very difficult for me, you know. I didn't understand the big words in the big book, you know. I was always like, I don't understand, you know. And they'd say, look it up. Well, I didn't understand how to look it up because I couldn't pronounce any of the words. That's pretty hard to look up a word when you can't pronounce it. And um, but I did. You know, and um, like I said, my first sponsor was so amazing. You know, that's why it's so important to have a sponsor. She said, you know, do you believe that I believe? You know, do you believe that God could restore you to sanity? And I'm seeing werewolves. I'm about six months sober. And I'm looking at this girl, like this woman. And this woman would actually sit me down and like hold me because I came in, you know, bouncing and like I couldn't. I just couldn't even focus, you know, and she would hold me tight and she would say, it's going to be okay. And I believed that she believed. And I believed so much that she believed that that was my leap of faith, you know, because I knew I was going to hell. Remember, I seen hell and I felt hell and I was hell. You know, I, hell was all around me. It wasn't like, oh, you know, God is here. He will protect you. You know, and um, but I believe that what that woman believed, and I'm so thankful for sponsorships. That actually, you know, for I've never been really good at it, and it's it's amazing to me. But I'm so thankful for sponsors that'll get in your face and tell you this is the way it is. You know, without them we would die. You know, and um, so you know if you're new here tonight and you're not here today and you don't know, you know, if you want to be here, you know, I'll ask you: Do you believe that I believe? And if you do get a sponsor before you leave, it'll be the best thing you ever did. And um, I'm just going to end with this. My, um, my ending real, in my reality should have ended like this. And these are true events that happened to me or friends or we were the ones doing it. But this is the true, honest, you know, I can't even describe to you, but this is the way my, my story should have ended. I should have ended dead in a motel, cut up, left for dead in a storage, in a trash can, homeless, shooting dope with a guy named Animal, or, you know, anyone beaten with a baseball bat, left for dead, left in a trunk because you screwed the wrong person. You know, that was my ending, and today my ending's not like that. Today my ending's beautiful. I just took a cake for 19 years. You know, how does a girl go from that to here? You know, and that's this program. You know, that's the, there's no other way. The doctor, the psychiatrist said it, and that was the honest truth. And my ending today is that, you know, I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a paralegal. This is a girl that couldn't even read the dictionary, you know. Um, I'm a friend. I'm a daughter. That's the most important. You know, my mom's actually basically dying out there right now, and I'm able to be a daughter to her again. And that's the same woman that I beat when I was so young from drugs and alcohol. But working through the 12 steps of AA, you know, I've given me a life that I can never repay, and that's a life of not having to be dependent on drugs and alcohol. So thank you. Thank you, Shannon. Um, up next, we got Cody. Hi, my name's Cody, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Cody. Well, I think we should just end on that. You know, that's good enough for me. Um, what a great message! I, uh, um, I know I met Shannon somewhere along the way because um, I loved her, her husband who passed away a few years ago, Scott. Um, but uh, hadn't seen each other in a long time, so it was one of those things that uh, I knew when we were coming today that uh, I was going to be able to speak with Kelly and her, and I thought, 
you know, what a, how lucky we are, you know. Um, uh, my, my birthday is January 4th, 1993. Uh, I sobered up when I was 21, uh, and 21 years and two months. Um, my story sometimes starts, I mean, I'll start where my story starts. Uh, when I was, uh, when I was, I don't remember much before I was six years old. Uh, when I was six years old, uh, my dad uh, was at uh, the Super Bowl, and my mom and my sister and my grandparents stayed at a hotel, uh, not at the Super Bowl, at another place. And uh, me and my sister were running around playing Cowboys and Indians with a couple of kids, and uh, this, this guy asked me if I wanted some candy. And it was like my mom had pitched me that story a hundred times. And um, so... Um, by the end of that night, he had, he had, he had raped me, and um, my life changed, maybe. I'm not really sure. I've looked at it a hundred times. The reason I bring that up is that's not what made me an alcoholic, but there's a lot of people out there that have, that have been sexually abused. And it's like I pray before, and if, if, uh, if it comes up, I bring it up, and then people understand that you can get through lots of things. And so that's one of the things I've been able to get through. Um, I don't know, once I started school, I always felt different and separated from everybody. Uh, I don't know if that was a cause of being raped when I was six. I don't know if that was a cause of the way my family was brought up. You know, my dad's been sober a long time. My sister's been sober a long time. Um, I don't think that's separate. I think I was born with that separation. I don't know, but that's what, that's what it feels like. I was, uh, I was good in sports. I was good in school. I was popular. Um, but it never seemed like it was enough. No matter no matter what, I'd get I'd get good grades. My sister would always get straight A's, and uh, so uh, it was never enough. I'd get it, you know, 90%. It's like, well, I could get a little bit more. So it really didn't matter. I'd you know start on the basketball team, but it'd be like, well, I didn't score enough points. Um, so it didn't didn't really didn't really matter. Um, all this is in hindsight, obviously, going through the steps and realizing that. Um, I uh, went off to military school uh, for high school. My parents got divorced. I decided I'd go off to military school. Um, so we went down to Juarez, Mexico, and they, um, we ordered 25-cent uh, uh, shots, and they put them up on the bar. And uh, I remember taking the, the first shot, and half of it went down my throat, and the other half came out my nose. And I remember just feeling like, ah. Uh. And uh, if you've ever down, been down to Juarez, Mexico, sober, uh, it's definitely not a place where you say, ah. Um, but, uh, and they were still then, you know, you walked outside and there were SWAT guys, you know, with, you know, big machine guns and full SWAT gear. And, you know, I had to, I had to get a fake ID so I would show that I was 16 years old so I could go drink in Morris, Mexico. Kind of doesn't make sense, but uh, that's what we had to do. Um, so that wasn't my first night drinking, but that was really the first night that I remember uh, drinking and I, and I blacked out, threw up and passed out that night. And, um, that was that was just uh, the normal kind of run for me. Um, uh, I didn't start out at the night thinking that I, you know, my intention was to throw up on somebody or pee on somebody or uh, not remember what I was doing. Uh, but that's just the way it would end up. When when I would start drinking uh, and I drank really fast, um, I wouldn't stop until there wasn't anything else to drink uh, or I couldn't get to it anymore um you know that's i i don't you know my wife's on alcoholic she'll sit and have a glass of wine or half a glass of wine or two glasses of wine and i i don't get it every time we go out to eat i'm like aren't you gonna order a drink and she's like i don't have to order a drink every time we go out to dinner and i'm like i don't i don't understand that since you can you should you know i mean and 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 if you're gonna have one why why not two you know um that's but you know that's being an alcoholic um so all through high school, I drank that way. And it, even though my dad was uh, sober at that point, um, I, would tell, I would tell people that he was in the program, that he was an alcoholic. Uh, and I'd come to meetings and, you know, I'd be, you know, my sister would be the kids in the, in, in the, in the little side room playing with all the toys. Um, I, didn't, uh, I didn't know what alcoholism was until I got here. And you guys explained to me that, um, you know, once, once you take a drink, uh, can, you, can you stop drinking and do you want to stop drinking? And... Uh, for me, you know, I learned that that, you know, that was what differentiated me from, you know, definitely my wife, but from other people, you know, um, even at work, they have drinking parties or whatever else, and uh, people sit there and they'll drink two or three and then they'll go home and that's it. And I, I just, I, I, I don't get it. They're, they're young and they can do all that stuff. Um, so I went through high school, 
got through school. Uh, somewhere along the line, I, brought, I was brought up with really good um, morals. And somewhere along the line, I kind of threw those to the side, and, and, I, and I cheated and con- didn't conform to pretty much any rules. Um, so through high school, went to a military school that had an honor code, and I would cheat on tests all the time. And, you know, if you got caught doing that, you'd get kicked out of school. But to me, that was kind of part of the deal. Um, so two years there, I went back to public school, um, drank, and got high all the time and ended up with a 3.6 um, in school. I remember meeting with my English teacher, and she said, um, I really don't feel like I should pass you because you've missed, missed six straight weeks of school. Um, but I was so full of it, um, and I would get things done. You know, I'd have people write papers, or I'd get them done, or I was just able to get around the system that she had to pass me, and she had to give me a good grade. Um, um, so I, I learned pretty pretty early on that I could get away with all that stuff. Um, and so I didn't really have consequences. Um, uh, when I went off to, uh, after high school, oh, I, did, I did cheat on uh, a test to get to graduate from high school because I, um, this geometry class I had to, um, to take through correspondence to get through high school. Um, so I went off, I decided to go to um, Las Cruces, uh, NMSU, which is near Juarez, so it was a good transition. Um, um, I went off, joined the fraternity, and it was kind of the same thing. And um, all through high school, I never really had any darkness or sadness or any kind of. Uh, um, I would drink and I'd throw up and I'd pass out, and, and there wasn't really ever any um, any problems with it. Right when I went, right when I started college. Um, I remember crying myself to, to, to sleep at night, and I remember waking up in, in the mornings and just being scared to death. I never really had that fear until then, and then it just started to consume me all the time. So then, then I um, began drinking. You know, the parties you know, were on Fridays and Saturdays, and then the parties were on Thursdays, and then the parties extended to Mondays, and then it was like, you know, whatever time anybody had a party, that's what we do. And uh, so it didn't take long for me to... Uh, to fail out of school, but that first semester I needed to get a 2.0 to get into this fraternity. And I'll end with this and, and get sober so you can hear that. Um, but uh, when I, um, in this fraternity, I, I had a 1.8, so I went to this teacher. I had a friend that I went to military school with that had, uh, he was out drinking and, and it was playing with a 45 and shot himself in the head or maybe just shot himself in the head or whatever else. That year, so I went to this teacher, and uh, she said, "Well, your your grades are pretty good, except for this one test." And uh, so my bright idea was um, that I would tell her that the reason I didn't pass that test was because I had this friend die, and uh, that she should give me another chance to take this test. Because you know, who would make up a story like that that their friend died? And and uh, um, so of course she gave me the chance, and I got to write a paper and passed it and got into the fraternity. So one more time, I didn't have to. I got away with the uh, with it. And the case was is I just didn't study for the test and I was just screwing around. And um, So my morals and, and what I was doing out there, I really didn't care too much about people. Um, right before I sobered up, I was uh, at, uh, at a bar. I usually drank at home because I'd end up drinking and uh, passing out. And uh, it was too expensive to drink out, so we'd just go get, you know, uh, go get a bottle, get a bunch of beer, and just sit at home. Uh, this night we decided to go out and... Um, we're coming out. It was it was around Christmas time, and I came out out of the bar and came out, and there was a trunk open, and there were all these Christmas gifts in there, and there was uh, paper towels and a uh, little hand vacuum cleaner. And uh, so I thought, you know, wide open trunk, Christmas for me. So I took all these people's Christmas gifts, put them in my car, and remember waking up the next day, and uh, there were somebody else's Christmas gifts in my room. Um, and uh, it's easy to do when you're drinking and when you're out there causing a mess, but when you wake up the next day and all that reality comes back of, of these great morals that your parents taught you and whatever else, they're not there anymore. Um, so all these things added up. I was out driving home one night, just a normal night, got pulled over and got a DUI. And I remember sitting in jail and my dad came to pick me up. And uh, I remember he had to shake me, woke me up, and, and I looked at him mm-hmm. and... Uh, I remember thinking, well, now, you know, now he's really going to know I'm a piece of shit because that's how I always felt about myself. And uh, he'd been sober about 10 years at that point. And, uh, um, you know, what he tells me is what he saw was he, he had hoped that 
I had gotten to the point where, where that it was enough, you know. And uh, and luckily, my sister was uh, was sober about five years then, and she had been going to uh, young people's meetings. And um, so the next day, I got up and uh, I said a prayer. I got down on my knees and said, "God, help me with this alcohol thing." Um, and I wasn't a guy that would get down on his knees, and I wasn't a guy that would pray. So that was pretty miraculous. Um, and then. That that day or the next, um, he gave me a big book, had me read it. It made no sense. And she started taking me to meetings with all these young people. And um, I was a people pleaser my whole life. So I'd go there and there was all these hot girls and these cool guys. And they were all like 20, 24, 25 years old. Um, and I thought, man, I want to be like these guys. And um, they were all doing the steps. And so um, just by peer pressure, um, I got into the steps, you know. It definitely wasn't out of any virtue. And uh, we raised total hell. It was a blast. Uh, we, you know, we'd stay up all night playing cards and doing stuff. And the only thing we weren't doing was, it, well, everything we were doing was legal. We weren't drinking or using it. We were just, you know, kids having a great time. And um, I feel so, so lucky that I landed in that place and that's where I sobered up because I, um, I don't know that I would have, uh, it would have worked any way else. Um, so I got in the steps right away, and, and the sponsors that have helped me through the years, and all the all the men. I mean, I like the way you put it; those those threads in our lives, because that's that's really what it is. You know, I have a uh, a friend here um, in Santa Clarita that isn't really sober anymore, but the thread getting me to California, introducing me to my now wife, and all that. You know, it's such a small thread. Um, but it's uh, it's really amazing the people that touch our lives. Um, all the men that I only have one guy outside the program now that I call on a regular basis. Um, he's the one that helps me with money problems. Uh, there are probably some alcoholics that could help me with money problems, but he definitely helps me with it. But everything I know how to do well today, you know, uh, I'm a good father, I'm a good husband, uh, I'm a good employee, um, and I wasn't good at any of those things. Uh, I've learned through uh, mostly the men in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, remember one of the co-founders of, it, of CA I, I met in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and he said, he said, if you get a job and if you just stay at a job, they'll actually promote you. And uh, uh, he said, so just suit up and show up, you know. And, and that's the kind of basic thing I needed. I remember Mike McCann would just tell me, he says, brush your teeth and make your bed. And uh, it's like, but dude, I don't have a job. How is brushing my teeth and making my bed going to help anything? And, um, and it's exactly what I need to hear, you know? And it's those simple things of learning how to, to just grow up, you know? Um, I'm a good man today, and it's not because of me. It's because of you. And uh, I just I love this program. Uh, married 17 years this last week. I have three boys. Uh, I've had plenty of uh, good jobs. I have a good one now. Uh, lost a house, you know, done all that stuff, and that's just life, you know. And I've stayed sober all this time, and um, plenty of people have died along the way. So, um, if you're if you're new, or if you're you know, um, you know, having some trouble, grab somebody and tell them the truth, because it's all about you know getting honest. So uh, I love uh, this program, and thank you for my life. Thank you, Cody. And now we got Kelly T. All right. Hi, I'm Kelly, and I'm an alcoholic. Oh, my God, lots of people here. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and there's so many special people. I have my morning people here and my friends and sponsees, and just really grateful to be here. Um, just a little bit. Um, I go way back with both of you. So this is like, I'm going to start crying. This is like an honor. I used to live right next door to Cody and be those young people running around playing cards and doing all that stuff that we used to do. And I saw Shannon come in and been friends with you for a long time. So what a blessing. What a great blessing today. You know, and I hadn't heard all her story, and I, I can totally relate to um, your story. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's funny to be standing up here, you know, wearing a dress with my hair clean, you know, makeup on, and looking like a lady, you know, <laughs> because um, I did not come in like that, did not come in like that at all. You know, and um, and I'll kind of go with that a little bit. Um, you know, I, a lot of uh, similar. It's amazing how we get here and we hear our stories to other people. 
you know, and I was 14 years old, you know, and I started drinking and using a lot of the same stuff, you know, so thank God, you know, when I got here and I heard you guys talk, it was like what I was thinking, but I could never, like, articulate it, you know, and, um, you know, I just felt like I just didn't feel worthy, you know, when I was in school, as, as little as I can remember, you know, I was always trying to pine for that attention from my parents. I have great family. I have a great mother and father. You know, there was absolutely, I love what you shared. There's absolutely no reason why I should be an alcoholic. There's no alcoholism in our family except for maybe a couple generations down, you know, but I, I got it. I'm the one, you know, <laughs> and, um, and I'm very blessed. I feel very grateful that I found the solution, you know. And um, I used to, like, you know, back in high school, um, I started out drinking, and then I started out with, you know, hey, come and try this, and we'd start smoking, and we'd do lots of little things, you know, to fill that part of and find those people that you could hang out with that, you know, made you feel like you were worthy, you know. And um, I kind of, you know, I did okay in school. My dad um, was in the school system for, like, 45 years, so, you know, he would always get, you know, I'd be in the dean's office, and they'd be like, Kelly, if you don't go to school, you're not going to graduate and I'm like did you talk to my dad and they're like yeah we talked to your dad I'm like okay so I really skated I don't know how I graduated you guys I really don't but I I I graduated high school um I actually um took a class to do um, nails while I was in high school because I didn't want to be in high school so I thought I'll get out of here and I'll do nails and I'll I can drive and go have fun and and um you know so I took a course in that you know thank God you know God had a plan for me right back then you know and um you know, drinking and using was just, you know, made me feel completely different, made me feel completely part of, you know, and a lot of um, drugs are in my story, too. I know this is Alcoholics Anonymous, but that's just what brought me, you know, as faster and harder, and, and I know we're dealing with a lot of that out here, you know, in the Santa Cruz Valley lately, too, you know, um, but... Anyway, I'll probably jump around. I'll probably be, like, all over the place. I get, like, ADD, too, so <laughs> so hopefully you can follow. But um, I used to watch a lot of movies. I used to think it was, like, glamorous to be, you know, I used to watch a lot of the mafia movies, and I used to watch a lot of, you know, different things. And I used to think, oh, I want to be like that, and oh, I want to smoke, and I want to live like that. And, and funny thing is, it's exactly what I did, and it was nowhere near, you know, glamorous. And... Um, I'm just going to tell this part kind of fast because I really want to get sober. There's some special things I was praying about this morning, and I want to share that with you. But um, And every single time I share, my heart is racing because this part of my life was so traumatic. But I ended up with the wrong people at the wrong time. Um, you know, I was actually um, with somebody who was in the mafia. We did a lot of the drug running, a lot of, like, the ecstasy, the speed, you know, all that stuff. I thought that was so cool. I drove stolen cars. I had guns. I had bodyguards, you know. But then at the end of the night, I was by myself. I might have gotten hit. I might have been left somewhere. You know, I ended up in jail. You know, so that just to me, you know, you think on the movies it's all glamorous and this is what we want to do, and, and it just wasn't that way. You know, um, there was lots of different things that would happen that were absolutely unmoral, you know, that my parents would never have, you know, I don't share that part with my parents, you know, but that they didn't bring me up like that, you know. And um, at the very end, I was so lost. I was working at this place, um, really bad place. Um, And I ended up, um, someone showed me... um, it was speed back then. I didn't had no idea what that was. I had been drinking and drinking and drinking and, and wasn't getting there as fast as I could and, and ended up going on this, like, three-month run. Well, I ended up hanging out with, I was so lost, you guys, not feeling of just being lost and empty and, and, and didn't know where I was going and didn't know um, what was happening. And um, ended up hanging out with um, these people that were double worshippers. You know, a lot of people have heard my story, you know. And I went on, like, a three-day run. And I was exactly like what Shannon was talking about. I mean, I'll never forget it, you know. And, um, and it only took me three months to get there. You know, it's like, because that's what I did. Like, when I drank, I couldn't stop drinking. You know, I didn't know, I didn't know why. And I thought everybody partied like I did. I thought, you know, we're all partying like this. And how come you can't stop? And, you know, I'm like, we can just have a little bit more, you know, more, 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 more. And uh, I still kind of do that today. Like, I like to go and have fun and stay up late still. And, you know, so it's like some of that's still there. I like to enjoy my life today, you know. But um, not like that. But um, <laughs> the the very end, um, I was with um, all these people. And I could feel um, that sensation of that I was going to die. And I'll never forget being in my apartment at that time. And I remember, I remember just saying, oh, my God, I just want to live. I just want to live. 
and um, this police officer walked into my apartment. I don't know how he got there. I don't even remember. But and I was running around. I don't know if you guys remember this movie, but um, down out in Beverly Hills where Richard Dreyfuss runs around. He goes, call 911, call 911. So I was running around saying that because I watched way too many movies. And I know you guys probably heard this part of my story. but And... Um, so I was running around saying that. So I thought that this guy, you know, was the police, and he came in, and he was, you know, 911. So, and I remember I would look in the mirror, and I thought I was a demon. I, I totally saw things. Oh, my God. I thought that I was the devil. I thought I was a demon. You know, I, there was a gentleman there that was with me, and, and I was like, I have to sacrifice somebody because, you know, I watched all those crazy, what is that, exorcist movie? Oh, my God. And he goes, okay, here's a knife. Sacrifice me. Well, you don't give a crazy lady a knife, you know, and I'm like, ah, you know. And, um, and then I, I remember wanting to jump out my window because I was just so, I was so freaked out. I was just, I was just gone, you know. And slowly what happened is they came in and, and I couldn't look at anybody. Like I, I saw everybody was trying to kill me, you know. And um, so I was spitting. I was doing stuff that was just insane, you know. And I was in and out of reality. I had managed to call my mom and I said, please bring pictures. I, I don't know what's happening. I mean, I, I knew what was happening, but I couldn't, you know, differentiate the truth from the false then. And it was just awful, you know. And it's taken me a lot of years to be able to share that story because it just, it feels, it resonates. You know, if you have any story, no matter if it's like that or however you got here, don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. You know, because when, when I get to come up here and it's a privilege to be able to share it with you, I get to remember it again. I get to remember that I don't want to go back out there and, and repeat that, you know. So long story short, um, I don't even know what time it is. Okay. The, um, the police officer stayed there in my um, apartment while um, we were waiting for the ambulance to come. My mom was coming. So the ambulance came and they straightjacketed me and took me out of the apartment and because I was out of control, and I had done so many different things. I don't even know everything. I had, like, angel dust and, you know, just all different stuff and drinking and 94 pounds, you know, thinking, oh, yeah, this is great. I'm really skinny, you know, and, and um, you know, just all this stuff, the perception, you know, in my mind that was just off, you know, and completely. I was trying to kill myself, but even though I didn't realize that, you know, deep down inside, I, I was just so lost, you know. And so um, they brought me to the ambulance, and the ambulance driver was a guy I went to high school with, so that's really embarrassing, you know. So I got in, the, I mean, I didn't get in the ambulance. They put me in the ambulance. And they took me, and I'm like, yeah, I couldn't really walk. But, and I was screaming, like, ah, you know, it was awful. It was awful. But, um, and then I was, and my poor mom, my poor, poor mom, I mean, you guys, she's like a saint. She's the most beautiful person. I, I, I can only, like, aspire to be half of what the woman is you know she's just an amazing woman and so she sat there while I screamed and cried and and spit at her and did you know all these horrible things to her and then I'd be like mom I don't know what's happening you know and, and god bless her you know and um long story short um that policeman stayed there and I'll never forget he walked out of the room and he said you know you just be nice to your mom and I was like, okay, you know, and he stayed there all day while I was in the hospital. And then they transferred me up here to um, Henry Mayo Hospital. And I had no insurance. I had no, you know, nothing at that point. I was, you know, no job. I was, you know, I was in a little studio apartment in the valley. And, um, you know, I had lost everything. But the main thing I lost was I lost Kelly in there. You know, it wasn't so much about the outside stuff. Kelly was gone, you know, and um, didn't even know who I was at that time. And um, before I forget, I'll share the end of the story. But I was sober, uh, about 60 days sober. And my mom had gotten a card from that police officer. And, um, you know, I said, Mom, I go, let's call the police officer. You know, let's thank him, you know, for being there and staying there for us. And let me tell him I'm sober. And, you know, that'll be really cool to kind of, you know, make amends and stuff. And and um, she's like, okay. So I called, and I called the, you know, the station, and the, you know, gentleman answered the phone. He said, well, what, you know, why are you calling? So I explained the whole story because, you know, how we're new. We have to explain everything, you know, so I explained the whole story. And he says, okay. He goes, well, you know, that's good. He goes, but there was nobody ever here by that name. And that is probably one of the most powerful, you know, moments, you know, in my sobriety to know that there, there are angels out there, and you never know. You know, that man, he stayed there the entire day with me. You know, he made sure that I was okay and got to the ambulance. I don't know if he was real, because I told my mom, I go, Mom, he's real, right? And she goes, yeah, I saw him too. So, you know, you just never know, because I was hallucinating, you know. And, and, and in the hospital, oh, my God, I would be in meetings, and I would see these little blobs all the time, and I, and I couldn't tell everybody that, but I would, I would hallucinate too, you know. 
And I would also have those people that would come to me and be like, Kelly, you know, you're going to be okay, you know. And it's terrifying, terrifying, absolutely terrifying, you know. And, um, and I remember being in the hospital. I remember my mom coming in and pulling out the knots out of my hair and, and just that, you know, I couldn't, even, I couldn't even walk. I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go anywhere by myself. And the same thing, I loved your story, Shannon. I totally related, you know, because they, they said, too, they go, you know, she may not come out of this. She just may not come out of this. You know, but um, my mom asked me, she goes, will you, will you just stay here? We stay at the hospital. And her best friend was actually the, not the owner, but the head of the hospital, so they gave me a free bed, you know, and um, that's right there, another God shot, you know. So, and, I, and then I was like, well, Mom, I think somebody might have spiked my drink. She's like, Kelly, can you just stay here, you know? And um, so I stayed, you know, at, um, at the hospital. And the first time that I had, like, a moment of clarity where I heard anything was I heard, do you think you might have a problem? You know, I didn't hear, are you an alcoholic? Are you, you know, did you do too many drugs? Or, you know, what were you doing out there? I heard, you know, do you think that you might have a problem? I was like, ooh, you know, maybe I have a little tiny problem. Maybe that's what it is, you know? So that was my little, my little moment of click, you know, where I could hear something. And, you know, they would prop me up in the, in the you know, because I would fall over because I was coming off of all this stuff. They'd prop me up in pillows and I'd be in, in there. And I, I can't really remember a lot of stuff that was in there. I mean, I remember a few things, you know, from being in the hospital. But I do remember, like, panels coming in, you know, and sharing, you know, experience, strength, and hope. And, um, and I remember um, one of the, the gals in there made me um, a God can. You know, and she said, here, I want you to take this home, and I want you to, you know, put things in it, and, and it's, a, it's to help you, fi- you know, find out, you know, your higher power and get close to God and give things, you know, back to God. And, um, and um, my brain just went, okay, thinking about the God can. <laughs> um, but um, I, um, my first experience to coming up to a meeting was up at the, up at the rafters you know, up at the Came to Believe meeting. And I remember walking in there, and I remember hearing what what I needed to hear, but I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember feeling safe, you know, and I remember something happened there. And I remember, because at that point, I didn't know if I was an alcoholic. An alcoholic? I'm like, what is really an alcoholic, you know? And I had done a lot of, you know, of the drugs, so I thought, oh, maybe, you know, I had started going to um, NA meetings, so I thought maybe that might be my problem, you know, because I had been, you know, at the very end with that, with all the drugs, you know, but somehow, some way, I heard something, and something clicked inside of me, you know, and there's a lot of you old-timers here that I recognize, you know, that, that, or, that would come up here and share your experience, strength, and hope, and I would listen, and I would hear you, and I would believe you. That was the hugest thing, is I would believe everything you said up here was true, because I had nothing else left to go, you know, I didn't know what else to do. You know, and um, and I couldn't read the book. I was just like Shannon. I couldn't read the book. I needed help reading the book. You know, everybody said, you know, go home and read the book. And and um, it was really really hard for me to do that because I had so messed up myself. But I I um, some of the miracles like I used to walk to the hospital from my parents' house. You know. And today I have um, a 10-year-old little boy who I have walked to school on that same path, you know. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's an amazing thing what happens here in Alcoholics Anonymous. You guys are my family, you know. Um, I, um, you know, there's so much here. You know, if you, if you feel lost and you feel scared, I was so scared. Like, God, I didn't want to go to meetings. I was so scared, like, sitting in the car. I'd be like, okay, you know, I just got to get up those stairs. Get up those stairs. You can do it and sit down. But, okay. And um, I'm like, uh-oh. Um, but one thing I really, I, I was praying because I, I, I felt so honored to be able to come here and share this with you. I feel like this was such an honor and a privilege, you know, to be able to come somewhere and share my experience with and hope with you guys. And the one thing that I've learned this past year is that um, everything that I have done in my very first year of sobriety still works true today. So if I can share anything with you, any hope of today, is that that foundation that we build here is so important, you know, and the little things, okay? Like my sponsor talked about halt. I don't know, you know, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I haven't even, I haven't heard that in a long time. You know, if you're hungry, you need to eat. If you're angry, pick up the phone, you know, call somebody, maybe go to a meeting. You know, there's lots of different avenues. Pray. You know, if you're lonely, same thing. We go to a meeting. We don't ever have to be alone here or do anything alone. And if you're tired, you know, sleep. That's one thing. I, I love to go have fun, you know, and I, and I get tired and I don't sleep as much as I should. But, um, but I, you know, it's like we don't really 
realize those little tiny things can lead us back out to go, you don't, you don't realize that stuff, you know. And I had a sponsor. I, I've had amazing sponsorship, amazing sponsorship. Um, you know, I, I believe you find somebody that you can trust, that you can that share everything with, you know, everything. Because there's going to be that one little thing that if you do not share that, it can lead you back into that insanity up here, you know. And... Um, I've had great sponsorships. I have one um, sponsor that shared with me. I was about eight years sober and took me through that book. You know, took me page by page through that book and showed me and filled me up. I, you know, I used to have it kind of up here, and now it's in here. You know, and I can hear it through here. You know, not just, you know, through here, if that makes any sense. You know, and, um, and one of the things that she taught me is, you know, if, if you're feeling stuck throughout the day, you know, kind of stop and say, okay, you know, how many meetings am I going to? Who am I helping? And how, you know, how many commitments do I have? And that still holds true today. You know, I, I still do every single thing, you know, um, that I did when I got here. You know, I still go to, I, I plan my life around my meetings. You know, I have my morning meeting people, they're my family. That's the, the meetings that I can go to now. I used to go to all night meetings. Right now I go to the morning meetings, you know, because I have a little boy and we do homework and I have a job and sometimes I can reschedule it so I can come and hit the meeting. Because those are important to me, guys. You guys are important to me. You know, you guys are my life. Because if I don't stay sober, I'm not going to have any of that. You know, and, and the work thing, um, to back up, I, I went to school. I've had my job for 26 years, you know, and that is all by the grace of God, you know. And it's been up and down, you know. It's gone through its things, you know, with the economy and everything. And I just keep suiting up and showing up too, you know. And I get scared, and I'm like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? And can I, you know, do you know, afford this or that, you know. And God's always put food on my table, always giving me a place to live, and always giving me, you know, either a friend or a family member to be around. You know, I haven't ever had to be alone, you know, and, and, and what I mean is like if you're scared and, and you're walking through stuff, you know, you don't ever have to do it alone. I didn't know that there was a place like that. I didn't know I was going to get like all these other, just so many attributes here. You know, this, this place is precious, you guys. Alcoholics Anonymous is such a gift. And if you are an alcoholic, like I'm an alcoholic, because I, I was the only one that could say, okay, I'm an alcoholic, that, that inside job, you know, where I can go deep, deep, deep inside, and I know I don't drink like normal people. I know I would be having your wife have more drinks, right? <laughs> like, why aren't you drinking that, you know? Because I, I don't drink like that, nor would I ever think to drink like that, you know? It would be, I don't, I don't think like that, you know? And I know, without a shadow of a doubt, you know, I just celebrated um, 20 years of sobriety, you know? And, and I know that if I were to go back out there, I would be worse off than I would be today. Worse off. I mean, I'd be dead, you guys, because I would not stop. I just know, I know that about me. And, um, you know, my sponsors have shown that to me, you know, and um, like this convention, you know, it's amazing. We get to come here and we get to be a part of and we get to see people. I was so excited last night to see everybody and I couldn't even sit in the meeting last night, the opening meeting. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm talking. And I just was so excited, you know. And um, I'm filled up. You know, nothing is, is perfect. Nothing's ever going to probably be perfect. But then you guys didn't tell me I was going to be perfect when I got here. You know, and I don't want to be perfect. And I just, I want to grow and I want to learn. And I, and I want to be honest with you and just let you see me for who I am and, and be that person so that we can all grow and learn together. You know, uh, today, right here, right now, I'm totally comfortable in my skin. You know, I'm sharing this part of my life with you. You know, and I get to go be alive today. I get to be a mom. I get to be an employee. And I get to be a friend. I get to be a sponsor. Sponsorship is amazing. You know, being sponsored and having sponsored. Uh, because I'm like, I just went through the book. Like, I've gone through it so many times with people. And I got to see something new when I was with a new sponsor. I'm like, no way. Where was that? You know? And it's just fascinating, you know? So I just, I feel utterly blessed to have this life, you know, and all the pain and all the joy that I've gone through here has given me different steps to learn of how to be and and learn about myself and also learn about you. Like, how can I better serve, you know, what God would have me do, you know, today? How can I better put into the stream of life, you know, and how can I be a better friend and how can I be of service, you know, or how can I ask for help? That's been a different thing for me. This last year, I've had to ask for help and I'm usually the one helping, so um, it's very, it was very interesting for me. And, and let me just tell you, Alcoholics Anonymous is there and it's alive and it's present and, and walks me through everything, you know. 
Um, it's just a powerful entity we have here. It's so we're so blessed. You know, when Bill and Bob, you know, got together and they sat down and they just two alcoholics talking to one another. How simple is that? And we get to live another day sober, and we're not out there dying. You know, we might feel like we're dying, we might not feel very good. You know, but we're not dying. We're here. You know, and it passes. I have the big sign in my house that says "This too shall pass." You know, because there's things where you get stuck on and, and you keep thinking about it, keep thinking about it. You know, and but it passes. It definitely passes and all the work that I've done I have great sponsors you know that have taken me through those steps and we do 10 steps and we do writing and we meet together and we we are present in our lives today you know and I pick up that phone and I call her even even with 20 years sober you know um and that to me you know it's funny when I took my cake this year it it wasn't anything like yay I mean it was it was yay I was very grateful but it was so humbling, you guys, because I'm like, oh, my God. You know, when you think, like, I remember being, like, 60 days, like, oh, I wonder how it's going to be when I'm, you know, older in sobriety. And, and it's definitely a humbling, amazing experience. Like, I, I am so grateful, you know. Um, I, um, I'm teaching my little boy about, you know, like, praying, and we're talking about he knows halt, too. So it's really funny. He'll be like, Mom, I need to halt, you know. <laughs> and, and it works. You know, it's like it's funny how things work here, and we get to learn and be members of society. And we get to mess up here, too. You know, we get to make mistakes. And, and you guys, we love each other through it. You know, and I get to learn that not to be judgmental. And, and if you need to judge, you know, if people need to judge them, that's what they need to do, too. And let people be who they need to be. And, and I really, you know what, you guys, I really love people today. I really do. I can really see the goodness in people today, and that's from God. You know, I have this higher power that walks me through anything as long as I allow him to because I can walk away from that, you know, and move away from that. And I, So I have to be conscious with that. It talks about that daily reprieve, you know, and get on my knees. And, and I've been doing this thing with um, page 86. You know, we read it in the morning. A couple of us text each other, you know, little things that help us, you know, get through the day. You know, and I really liked what Shannon said too. And if you don't have a sponsor, there's so many people here you know, at the convention this weekend. You know, if you if you need help and you're dying inside and you just need to share that one thing with somebody because you feel like you're gonna, you know, go make a mistake. You know, because to me the, the most utter mistake is for me to drink. You know, because I just I can't I can't afford it. I I, I want to be here and I want to live with you guys and grow and and be a family today. You know, so if you if you do and you need help, reach out because we're all here. You know, no matter how much time you have, it doesn't even it doesn't matter. You know, that's the the thing that I've realized too. It doesn't matter how much time you have. You know, we're all here one day at a time, and we're here for each other. And that's how God made it. You know, because He knew we we couldn't do it by ourselves. You know, it doesn't. The first step says we. You know, it doesn't say like I came to. You know, it says we. And and there's a purpose for that. You know, we do it together. You know, we and and the way the traditions are and the way we run this. You know, this all happened because we did it together. You know, so I hope I hope that I think I'm done. But is that okay? <laughs> I always do that. But thank you so much. Bye. <laughs>